Broadcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. Banana pudding. Uh, I could get used to things like I love banana pudding. Wait, I used to poet in my life from the time I was nine till the time I was about twenty-two, <laughs> where all I could eat was banana pudding. Really? Uh-huh. That is something we can we agree on, uh-huh. Cecil. We That's finally right. have something in common. That's right. I had digestive issues. <laughs> and doctor said, uh, tapioca or banana pudding about all I could eat. I'd be honest with you, I got sick of tapioca. Yeah, it's rice pudding. I mean, uh-huh. who likes rice in their uh, pudding? Boy, no banana one. pudding to this day. I could eat that. I'd eat it every day if I could. Me too. Uh-huh. Me too, Cecil. Me. Oh, here he goes. He's dancing. Okay. Cecil. Wow. Uh-huh. He really, he got some moves. That's right. Gets me going. <laughs> Feel that beat. I can't help it. Any dessert song uh-huh. is I, Cecil's favorite. I like any music about food. Uh-huh. What other what other songs do you uh, like? Chili Dog Blues. Sure. Uh-huh. Is that uh, Beastie one... Waltz. Huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you just making up names? Me and Bobby McGee and a bunch of hot dogs. Okay. That's a, not a... That's a B-side. Right. Well, uh-huh. you know. All right, well, I'm going to go make some bad food. All right. All right. I'll take some. it from here, Leave buddy. Leave me some. Okay, we ain't got no he he put apples in it last time. I know Ugh. it wasn't very good. Thank Apple. you, Cecil. Yeah. Oh boy. You know I'm starting to like him. Yeah. Got to be honest, he's growing on me. He's like uh, like a weird wart. Costanza. Oh, it's true. By Menon. <laughs> How about you, Boo? Boo, I'm just living my truth and dream. How what, are you? What's going down? Oh. What isn't going down? What's, what's not going down? Well, I'm still on a high because mm-hmm. um, I do have some huge news for okay. all listeners. Okay. Uh, this uh, weekend, this past Sunday, I got to go to my personal church, and <laughs> it was phenomenal. Um, if anyone knows, in West Hollywood, the queen of West Hollywood, Lisa Vanderpump, has mm-hmm. a restaurant and she opened it. It's her first one out here, entitled Sir. Mm-hmm. What is that? What's that stand for? Sexy, unique restaurant. There you go. Yeah. And let me tell you, service was horrible. But <laughs> I was a pig and crap, boo. Mm-hmm. And then you were there with me. Yeah. This was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was like pop culture live footage. Yeah. I mean, I got to see the bar where Jack screamed, this is my show. Who's I got Jack? to 
Jax. Jax. Yeah, he is angry. Yeah, he was a coke addict. He's still with us, but yeah. yeah. And then I got to see where Stassi got reprimanded, Mm -hmm. you know, for being racist. It's been a dream of Hmm. mine to go there. Yeah. And and let me tell you, it lived up to the hype. I'm surprised it took us this long. I know, me too. Now, what did you think of it? Like, you're an outside. Uh You know, you're not coming in as a sir head. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. <laughs> it was, I was very much out of place. Not my scene. It, well, I thought you fine. looked like a damn dream. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, Daiquiri Dave over here. Daiquiri Dave. That's my new handle Kyle gave me. Daiquiri Dave, why? Yeah, because of the Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Daiquiri Dave. <laughs> no longer look like an active shooter, so that's oh, nice. That yeah. is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're really getting into the Hawaiian, and yeah, I like it. Getting, getting prepped for, we're going to Hawaii in two weeks. Very I excited. Know. I can't. Very excited. Wait. But yeah, I know, uh, regardless of how I personally feel about the Bravo universe, I know it's a big part of your world, mm-hmm. and uh, I can appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of like ground zero. Well, I did see, and I don't know if one person even has watched this that listens to the podcast, but you know what? I'm just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. First of all, I saw Peter, who is a side character on Vanderpump Rules. Uh-huh. By the way, guys, Vanderpump Rules is the reality TV series in its place at Sir. Okay. They're allegedly all... That's her restaurant. Yeah. Lisa Vanderpump, that's her restaurant. Yeah, she's brilliant because she's like, oh, these kids are trash cans. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and film them. And I'm so glad she did because, oh! Now, she is originally uh, a real housewife, Yeah, correct? she's a Beverly Hills housewife. Beverly Hills, okay. But and then, then she her, got her own show. Yeah, she got... Well, she did that while she was doing Beverly Hills. Okay. So very smart. Good mm-hmm. marketing. Yeah. You know, I, I felt her in there. Oh, yeah? I felt her presence <laughs> just kind of lingering around. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? She could have been there. Yeah. I don't know. Never, you know, yeah. dreams can come true. Yeah, but yes, I... Was. A side yeah. character, Peter, who's the manager there, he was there, which... Uh-huh. You know, he's okay. Yeah. What's wrong with Peter? Well, he has a man, a ponytail, a oh, man ponytail. Yeah. And then he also doesn't treat women so good. Oh, really? Yeah. Throughout the years, he's just like, he plays the, well, I'm just this guy, mm-hmm. but he's not. Oh. He's not nice. I hmm. could feel it. Hmm. Anyway, but then I also saw Guillermo, now, who is that? half of the owner. Okay. And he was, a, it was a great sight. I could tell he loved it. He had a hat on. He was just doing his thing. So I had fun. Thanks for attending it with me, Bo. Oh, yeah. Church was great. Yeah, no, I had a good time. I had, uh, my, my food was good. I had uh, some fancy uh, eggs benedict. Oh, my gosh. I called it uh, Kodo Ham Benedict or something. Yeah, I basically had mushroom soup, which yeah. was delicious. Yeah. What was mine called? Like a... I don't know what yours was called. Yeah, it was like a little mushroom <laughs> barley soup with dipping ciabatta bread. And I got a little too excited, uh-huh. let's be honest, and I ordered an appetizer. Yeah, we got an appetizer of oysters <laughs> for brunch, which I'm always down for, and then you got a coffee, and you got mushroom soup. Well, you're really uh, rolling the dice I there. did have I did have some stomach pain. Mm-hmm. wasn't bad, though, because no. my stomach's a trash can, but also... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was real classy mm-hmm. with, um, you know, spilling an entire thing of creamer on the ground. Yeah, that's right. You Oops. did uh, have an accident there. But yeah, having an accident with creamer is my, you know, that's mm-hmm. just a, another day just in Katie world. So I'm good at cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. No one had to come with a mop. Okay. That was my goal. Yeah. So I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> I spilled it, sir. We have some animal What's issues. What's going on over there? Well, Charlie's... 
being Charlie. Okay. Hi. Hey, hey, Charlie. Is he here? What's yes. up? Okay. <laughs> what are you doing, Charlie? I want to be on the radio. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Boo, how are you? Oh, I'm great. What is happening? Fill me in. Oh, boy. You see, you see my glow. I got a, I got a sheen and a glow to me today. Yeah, you went to your personal sir. Yeah, I today. went to my sir. I went to a sexy, unique Korean barbecue. Ooh yeah! Oh boy! Yeah. So good. Was it? That might be my favorite restaurant. Oh, I think yeah. I think we all know that. I mean, it's definitely top three. Parks Barbecue in Koreatown, Los Angeles. It is insane. Really good, guys. So good. Really good. Did you get the seafood pancake? No, didn't get that because I'm watching my carbs. So I'll just just nothing but meat and those pickled veggies. Oh boy, I could eat. I tell you what, <laughs> the uh, the competitive eating circuit. If they ever did like a kimchi competition, oh. I think I could hold my own. I I, I, yeah. I don't get full on kimchi, and it's so fa- so flavorful. Like I could eat five pounds of kimchi. No, really, no problem. That's the kimchi is that red, the red with the thing. It's the cabbage, the fermented cabbage and the chili oh, okay. paste. Yeah, it's got like a red sauce paste thing all over it. Yeah, little, that is little good. squares of uh, That's cabbage. That's delicious. Mm. Oh, so good, so spicy. You had a mandate. Yeah, I had a mandate. Took my buddy uh, James Fritz. He had Aww, never been there. That and, is so uh, cute. So went and picked him up in the new whip. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, had a mandate. Went and picked him up. Took him to uh, Parks Barbecue. We had the, um, I forget what they call it. It's like a... Uh, some Korean name, I'm probably mispronounced, but um, basically a marinated short rib, beef short rib. We had the uh, uh, prime ribeye steak, Ooh. and we had the uh, pork belly. Ooh. And then all those, uh, there's a name for like the whole shebang of all those pickled veggies and stuff. I forgot, it starts with a B, I forget the name of it, but they give you like 10 or 12 varieties uh, you know, uh, pickled cucumbers and the kimchi and the sprouts and some the weird little soy thingies. Um, I know. I always feel so dumb and yeah. American because I just hold up the thing and I'm like, this, yeah. what was in here? And I bought this. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. Yeah, man. it was a good time. We went big. I love it. Yeah, went big. And they cook it right there in front of you. I mean. Oh, so good. I know. I do love it. Well, are they going to go out of business, though? I hope not. I was reading more about that, uh, what you're talking about. For people who don't know, there's a new law on the books in Los Angeles. Uh, I think it's a city or county law. Where they're trying to outlaw uh, gas stoves in restaurants, and I think that's just moving forward for new restaurants. So I think existing restaurants are oh, grandfathered. Okay, I, good. I think. I hope. Well, they have if, to. Be yeah. Protected. If not, then they have to all be. the Korean barbecue restaurants would be out of business. A lot of restaurants would be out of business. I mean, there's other other restaurants you can use electric, you can yeah. use wood burning stove stuff, but like with Korean barbecue, when they do it right there at the table, yeah. you really your only option is, is the gas. But, uh, yeah, they're trying to do, um, what do they call it, carbon neutral. They're trying to be, become carbon neutral just because our air quality in Los Angeles is already some of the worst in the world. Oh, sure. Trash. Yeah. We're but, trash. Uh, oh, boo, I just had a thought. Uh-oh. Watch you out. Uh-huh. love any type of grill. Yeah. So if there's, this is, Korean barbecue is perfect for you because uh-huh. it's literally, you know, a Traeger in the middle, a uh-huh. mini Traeger uh-huh. that you don't have to tend to. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's why I love it. That's what you should get into, boo. Let's see. Um, uh, Korean barbecue style mm-hmm. tra- mini Traeger okay. <laughs> in the middle of each table. Mm-hmm. And then you just smoke meat. Yeah. 
but then that would take too long yeah smoking (laughs) so it's not really a (laughs) yeah you don't want customers sitting there for four hours (laughs) (laughs) okay well i'll workshop that hey i appreciate appreciate the idea though anytime any effing time and uh you're looking nice today boo boo thank you i went and got my hair done Mm -hmm. get your hair did yes it was turning orange which Um, happens to blondes if all the blondes out there who are fake Hmm. They get it. <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not a fake blonde. No, I have dishwater blonde hair. Dishwater. What does that mean? It means it looks like dirty dishwater. No, That's I like literally the name of it. My mom would always be like, "You have dishwater blonde." Wow. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, self-esteem." Wouldn't that just be a dirty blonde? Yeah. Uh-huh. Dirty blonde dishwater. I mean, I guess dirty's better. Not too much know. better than i don't know but i'm loving your hair by the way oh yeah boo you're really letting the locks go this is literally the longest my hair has ever been i love it really it looks kind of silly no no no. i think it's so fun mm-hmm. i think you should just see what happens okay i think you have naturally curly hair yeah it's, it's wavy that's so cool mm-hmm. you're gonna have better hair than me i'm so jealous your hair will be longer than mine in like a month yeah i'm almost there now i know you it's really pretty are. unruly. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just. I guess I'm in the. I guess it's a midlife crisis. I don't. I don't think of it as a crisis. I think it of it as an awakening. I'm just really embracing change. What's what do you? When did this start? When did the embracing the change start? I think after COVID, where it's just like, oh, nothing really matters. Yeah. <laughs> Let yeah, me just, that's true. Well, and just I'm getting older, and I know I'm going to be bald eventually, so it's just like, might as well have some fun with my hair while I can. Yeah. And then we moved over here to West Hollywood, and not that I've ever been too concerned with appearances and, and superficialities, but I was just like, okay, I can't. I can't wear my black Carhartt and my camouflage cargo shorts all over West Hollywood. I know. I'll get, you know, cops called on me. Well, that's not true. That's your <laughs> style, and it was great so and it served you. But I'm uh, I'm freshening it up. I Got mean, the Hawaiian shirts. We talked last week about the new socks. Loving the new socks. The new sneaks, the new kicks. I just, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm Big beefy fresh daddy. You are a big beefy fresh mm-hmm. daiquiri daddy. Yeah, as Kyle calls there me the uh, daiquiri Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so daiquiri Dave daiquiri there. Daiquiri Dave. But yeah, I'm having fun. I'm glad. I'm footloose and fancy free. You really are, and flirty. I'm, I'm, I'm fun and flirty. Well, today was my self care day, mm-hmm. so I drove to. Okay, this is how codependent I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the gentlemen listening, and I'm sure there's gentlemen that are like this too, but you get for ladies. From my experience, I always am very codependent on my hair lady. Like, if you find a good hair lady, you will travel. I've known girls that have, like, flown to New York to get their hair done by their person. Yes. Yes. Really? Every eight weeks. My friend Liz. Get on an airplane to get a haircut? Yeah. Well, she was from New York, so she it's her person. I understand that. But then she'd kind of work a family trip. Okay. She would, you know. That sounds like some celebrity shit right there. No. It's you become codependent Mm -hmm. on your hair people. Mm -hmm. You do. And they're your friends. And they were there when you got married and and saw everything. And then your dad died. Mm -hmm. So you're automatically just hooked to them for life. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, we're talking about you now. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Took a weird dark turn. That's all right. Whoops. Sorry about that. But anyway, on the way down, Mm -hmm. I was multitasking and... 
had a therapy appointment with Dr. J, Dr. Julie, lover. Boo, I got to say, I don't love that. Okay. I don't well, love you. Because I would imagine therapy, it takes a lot of your mental and emotional attention, correct? I think, okay. I just don't know if you should be doing therapy <laughs> while you're operating a 6,000-pound vehicle. Okay, so Dr. Julie and I had this conversation before mm-hmm. as well. Now, here's what I will say. Okay. It actually keeps me more focused mm-hmm. because I'm paying more attention to both. So I don't understand that logic. Yeah. How, how? How does that work? Because I have ADHD, mm-hmm. and so I have like, okay, I, I get laser focus in, in the conversation, and my activity to make sure that I don't lose the laser focus is driving. It's perfect. It's like when I had a stick shift growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a stick shift when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I had to learn on a stick shift. It was mm-hmm. a big thing in the Strandberg mm-hmm. house. And so that was fun because mm-hmm. that's like a game. Although in traffic, it's not so fun. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Well, I just, I'm concerned about your focus. Um, for well, it's exa- been bad. For example, <laughs> yesterday I'm in my office for a while and uh, doing some work. And I come out and you're in the living room. Mm-hmm. And our front door is ajar. <laughs> okay. And you didn't even notice. Just sitting there with our front door open, boo. Well, yeah. There's, our door is tricky. <laughs> it is tricky. Not really. Well. You got to shut it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I shut it though. It's mm-hmm. not like I just opened it up, but I didn't shut it completely. And so you're really catching the end mm-hmm. of an ajar door. It was probably just a jar, and then it slowly became bigger. It became more a jar. Yeah. How can a door be a jar? <laughs> Where's that from? Bill Hicks joke. <laughs> and also, a oh, couple boy. hours later, I come back into the living room, and you're sitting on the couch, and the cast iron skillet is on the stovetop underneath a high flame. It was drying. Which you said to do, because uh, that's how you dry the that's thing. That's a technique I do, but I, I dry it for about 30 <laughs> seconds while I stand there and, and observe it. Something you, with you five minutes. You just turned it on. You turned it on, went and sat down. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was fine, because so, I don't know why I thought five minutes. Mm. There was something in my brain, like five minutes, and then... There's things that I use, and I cook things in the pan for five minutes. Oh, you maybe know, that's Saute it. some onions for five <laughs> minutes, but... Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. My focus hasn't mm-hmm. been great. But but you're confident that you're safe driving <laughs> your big SUV yeah. in L.A. traffic yeah. while being consumed with the emotional weight of therapy. Yeah. Well, all right, then. I think I'm, uh, like you said, I'm mm-hmm. getting a black belt in therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think I just know, know the routine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I just... Uh, I really think, you know what, why not? Why not do two things at once? Well, wh- the why not <laughs> is it can be dangerous and you might get in a wreck. <laughs> That's why not. Right. Uh-huh. But think about it. Therapy is a conversation. Yes. And really, do you talk on the phone in your car? Well, would you agree it's a little more than a conversation? It's, it's a little more in-depth and emotionally taxing than just an average conversation. Yes, I talk on the phone, hands-free, while I'm driving, but... Okay, I agree with you mm-hmm. to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but here's what's great. Lately, I feel nothing, so it isn't oh, okay. a huge well, deal. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded bad, but listen, guys, 
but yeah, Dr. Julie was talking to me, mm-hmm. uh, and she was very proud that I, um, oh, and I haven't even told Dave this, guys. This Uh-oh. is live on the air. Okay. Hello, hello. Um, she was proud that I let you take me on Saturday to Dad's house. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because she uh, is like, yes, you have... Dave is your person, mm-hmm. and he's you know he's going to be there for you. I'm your and guy. Like, letting him in apparently is hard for me, and I guess I never letting knew. Letting me in, we're married. I know, but I mean, like with things like this, I don't want to inconvenience you. No, like that's the thing. It's like I know this isn't a fun thing, so you have fun. I want to. I want you to have a good day, uh-huh. and then I'll just go into the war. Not that it was war, mm-hmm. but you know. Hmm. I know that's weird. But I told you I'm here for you, boo. You got to lean on me. I'm leaning. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning. So we went down. What did we do Saturday? Went oh, down we to your went, dad's yeah. place. We had to go down um, and just look through some stuff uh, for my dad's estate sale. Mm-hmm. And it was just so odd uh, being there because it's just stuff at this point. Yeah, it's just all his stuff just thrown into the garages. And it's like... I don't know. I, I, and a lot of it is just memories of, oh, I got these as gifts for him. Or, you know, it's, it's just, I, I'm so visual. Mm-hmm. So seeing stuff, especially in person, is like, oh my gosh, I remember going to, you know, TJ Maxx and getting that lamp for mm-hmm. Jack's room or, you know, like whatever it is. And to see it just kind of discarded. Yeah. It's not, a great feeling, but I understand you mm-hmm. have to purge things. And some people aren't emotional about stuff, and mm-hmm. that's okay, too. But, um, yeah, I was, I don't know, how'd you feel about it? I mean, it was a little depressing. Was it? Yeah, it's just, you know, all your dad's a lifetime of stuff just crammed into a garage, and we're picking through it and trying to get it ready for sale, for the estate sale. And, yeah, stuff like that's always depressing, but... You have to look at it for what it is. You know, it, it is just stuff. It's just things. I know. You know. I know. And I know <laughs> you, you've talked about off-air about how that whole process is sad for you just because, you know, that's where your dad and mom spent the last five or six years of their lives. And the one thing I think you have going for you in that regard is it's not like it was your childhood home. It's not like you have a ton of memories there as well. Yeah. I know they, that's where they spent the last year, their golden years, but I don't know. I, I, I try not to ever get sentimental about places or things. Really? Yeah, just, I don't know, maybe that's the nomad in me. I mean, since I left my parents' house when I was 19, I've lived like literally 25, 30 different places. So I, I don't really have roots But you make your own roots. Mm-hmm. You're interesting because you do like home and you mm-hmm. do like... You know, we consider our pets family. Yeah. So you do love our family. Of course. But, yeah, you're right. You are you can, it's not about the place. Yeah, and I don't get sentimental. I really, and it's not a conscious effort. I think it's just how I'm wired. But, like, I don't get sentimental about the past. I really don't. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm forward thinking. I'm just looking forward. I mean, I don't dwell on high school. I don't dwell on back home in Georgia. I mean, a lot of that is... is makes up of who who I am like it's in my in my blood and in my bones but it's I don't see a lot uh what can be gained by just constantly sit around reminiscing and thinking about the past 
You, you should learn from your past. Mm-hmm. You should appreciate your memories and your past. But I'm about today and tomorrow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really great. That's you being in the moment. I, it's weird because I don't think, I don't want to just dwell on the past, Mm -hmm. but I also know that I have to learn. My learning curve is quite repetitive. Mm -hmm. So it is hard for me to, you know, just move on because I'm like, well, wait, what about all that waste? Like, is that a waste of time? Like, did I do well, am I going to, you know, I, I really. Is what a waste of time? Is what, how I, like, why am I focusing on my dad so much? Why am I focusing on all this stuff? Yeah, and by the way, I'm not telling you to get over it and not dwell no, on No, no, I dad, know that, but I'm uh, just, I'm wondering. I mean, the reason you're dwelling and focusing on your dad is you just, you know, it's only been six months. Yeah. It's, it's a huge loss. It's anybody who loses a, a family member or a parent, you know, it's. That was one of the only constants in your life for 38 years. It's so true, and it's so weird. It's so weird to go there, and he's not there. Mm -hmm. Because it, I could almost, because he was in and out of the hospital so much, Mm -hmm. so it's almost like he's still there, like in my head at times. Mm -hmm. And then even going to grocery stores or whatever, it's, my mind really did, oh, Charlie's having a tough time. (laughs) He's just hacking on a bone. I just thought about them all the time. Mm-hmm. I thought about Dad and Jack all the time. Yeah. And they didn't ask me to do that full, full time. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that my go-to, my comfort zone, is losing myself in others. Yeah. So I, and that's a codependent thing, but also just a eh, Katie thing as well. Like, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women struggle with that because we're kind of... You get older and the responsibility falls on, like, ladies are like, okay, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just a weird thing. And I was, I had a thought yesterday when I was at Gilson's buying ingredients to make Dave dinner. What? You cooked last night, I food. did. I got inspired. Yeah, you cooked Manhattan clam chowder. Easiest thing. It's Not good. really. No, Took it was, me forever. It was good. Thank you. Very good, boo. Thank you're, you so you're much. You're a great cook. When I you just my, don't, yeah, you don't do it very often. I don't enjoy it. But when it. you do cook, you do great. You, you cook a mean scramble. I like a scramble. Anything that you just kind of throw together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soup, scramble. You should get into casseroles. That's the ultimate. Just throw I shit mean, together. Casserole. Are there healthy casseroles, though? I doubt it. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. I love mushroom soup, so. Oh, I like a good casserole. But oh, what were you saying? Too. So you're at the grocery store? I was at the grocery store, and I remember... Because I would always go to the grocery store mm-hmm. for my dad. And, or me and Jack would go there. And that was like almost our playtime together. Like every week we would go. And just like, yay, let's shop. Um, but I I remember when dad passed away. And my immediate thought was, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'm going to, me and Jack are going to live together forever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I mean? Like I planned what I was comfortable with, mm-hmm. which wasn't in line with what I, you know, what is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And also I just think I, I, I would have been much more comfortable doing that, mm-hmm. but that's not my place. And that was both of our knee jerk reaction when your dad passed was like, because Jack was living down there with your dad, it was like, well, I guess you and I are going to take care of Jack because Neither one of his parents lived in the same state as he did. Yeah. So it was just assumed. It's like, I guess we'll step in. And then 
Eventually. Well, and my dad made it that way, though. Yeah. My dad definitely kept communication shut off. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't an open dialogue, mm-hmm. really. And so I understand how things got, you know, missed mm-hmm. through the cracks. But, yeah, I just think I get into this mode of, like, I can I can save it. I could save the family or I could do it or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not God. And I'm not, I don't know, it was just really hard for me to even move here to do something for us that was different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, but I was thinking yesterday how my go-to is, you know, let me, I can, I could be great in an emergency situation, but when it comes to day to day existing and doing my best for, you know, myself, apparently I'm going through an identity crisis, says Dr. Julie. Yeah. So what's up with that? She just, well, she kind of said it in passing, and I was like, uh, can we go back to that? Yeah, what do you mean, Doc? (laughs) Identity crisis is a pretty big statement. Uh But what she meant is my my dad was such a huge part of my life for Mm -hmm. so long that we were both so dependent on each other um, that I don't know really, you know, it's hard for me to live... Uh, like not knowing, oh, I'm not Dave Strandberg's daughter mm-hmm. anymore. I'm, and I'm not a caregiver, and I'm not, you know, being the martyr of the family is very easy for me to fall into, and being like, look at my life and wah, you know, and and it's I never got, I never chose to take that time in your twenties or thirties, early thirties, to, you know, figure out what exactly. I I could do like with my skill set and uh-huh. and you know career wise it was always very vague and like it was never really my fo- my life wasn't my focus it was my parents because I wanted them to be okay and that's commendable like seriously but it's not when like you when when that ends and it's like man I I didn't grow up like I never grew up but what does that even mean. I don't know, like adult things, like insurance, and I don't know taxes. Like it just feels. We have insurance. We I pay know, taxes. I know, but we it's do like all that stuff. Yeah, I just thought, I don't know. I know what you're saying. I think you're being too hard on yourself. Okay. That was a great role that you served. You you, you did a great thing. You took care of your parents in their golden years. That's more than most people would say. That's more than I could say. You know, I'm not there for my mom. I live on the other side of the country. Yeah. You know? No, I understand. But you take yourself sufficient. Mm-hmm. It's not like you were... Uh, that's what DJ, Dr. Julie, was saying. Mm-hmm. She was saying that I was enmeshed with my dad. Mm-hmm. And he was enmeshed with me. And you get used to enmeshment, meaning mm-hmm. you're just kind of... You don't know where he ends and you begin, or she ends and you begin. It's just kind of like you're a weird yin-yang of mess. And a lot of people, you know, like you, don't have that enmeshment with their parents, right? Mm -hmm. So the death is, and it's just as tragic, and I'm not trying to minimize anything, but it doesn't affect your life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't affect your daily routine and and that's why identity crisis is used or you know 
trying to figure out like empty nest syndrome. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely experiencing that because it's like, and I'm lucky enough that I get to explore and take mm-hmm. this time. And you know what I mean? Like finish dad's estate, get crown 12 on, you know, streamlined, figure out all this stuff. And I'm grateful for this time, but that's your new business. Yeah. And I just don't know. I don't know. I just, today I said in therapy, I was like, I just hope this is helpful for somebody. Like I hope all this crap, like Susie dying, you know, uh, family stuff with addiction, uh, my dad, my mom, you know, just so many things. I, I want to do something helpful for others. And I, I, <laughs> but you did, you, you were very helpful. You put everybody around you first, including me, your nephews, your mom, your dad. Oh, that's sweet. You, I mean, that's just who you are. But when I get that, I get what Dr. Julie's saying with the identity crisis, but we've talked about this before. Like, you have to find the silver lining. If there is a silver lining with, with this loss, it's you don't have to do that anymore. You know, you don't have to be there for your dad. You don't have to be there for your mom. You did that. And now they're gone. And as sad as that is, that burden has been not that it was a burden, but that assignment, that that duty, that responsibility, that's been lifted off your shoulders. And now and then Jack's, you know, that situation's taking care of itself and now he's that he's so reunited happy. with his dad and his brother and all that, and they're moving yeah. or whatever. But point is, now it's time for Katie to take care of Katie. And that terrifies me. Why? I don't know. You deserve to be taken care of, boo. I try to take care of you. Like, no, you do. But you do a fabulous it's, it's, job. It's time for you to not have to worry. And you don't. You do an amazing job of taking care of me and spoiling me. But I don't necessarily need that. You don't have to take care of anyone now, but yourself. Yeah, I'm self sufficient. We're a good unit. We're a good team. You don't have to worry about Dad's health or his dinner or his doctor's appointments. Now it's time for Katie to not only take care of Katie, but Katie to do some stuff that she wants to do. I'm nodding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the listeners, I'm nodding. Oh, that's sweet, boo. And I think you need that. I think you have been in this mindset for about a decade now, going back a decade, you know, when your mom's health started to f- falter and you were there for her and through her whole final years and then your dad's final years, like... For about a decade now, you've put everybody around you first. And that was great. And that was commendable. And you did a great job. Well, you great did, strong no, word. No, it's not. No. I, 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 I did saw towards the end. Did. I, I did towards did the end. I, it was a learning curve. but So selfless. So okay. caring. So giving of your time and your energy and your money. Everything across the board you gave. And now you can, re- boo, that was a job well done. Thank you. Job well done, but unfortunately, that job is now over, and now it's time for you to live your life and do exactly the things that you want to do. It's, which is so great, Mm -hmm. and so I know it's like fear of failure and all that horse shit, and you know what I mean, like, what am I going to do? But I, I do feel like there's got to be a purpose I, I do think everyone has a purpose, and mm-hmm. I do think everyone has a vocation. And I, what I was trying to not say, I didn't say it well, 
was I, I hope that this can be helpful. Like if I work through this stuff, I hope this is helpful for others. And I don't know what that looks like or how that's going to be. You know what I mean? Uh, what that means. But I just, it's like, I love feeling like somebody's like, oh, thank God she said that because mm -hmm. I feel the same way. Because I feel that way. Like even with reality shows, I'm mm -hmm. like, me too, me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, Charlie, have fun. He's on his way. He's, <laughs> he's bored. He's got to go to work. He's got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't know. I, I know what, that's vague. I know what you're saying. But. And of course, of course, uh, everybody wants to connect. Everybody wants to have a shared experience. And yeah, you talking about this, not that we're some huge influential platform. Yeah. But if just one person. Yeah. Feels less alone. That's by connecting with what you're talking about, then job well done. Yeah. But I'm proud of you, Boo. I think you've been handling this great. I mean, to lose a parent is is a big deal. You've lost both in the matter of uh, less than three years. Two and a half years, you lost both parents. And, yeah, I remember. And it's not, and, and your situation, like you've talked about, is somewhat unique uh, in that you weren't just an ad adult child of two parents, like, you were their caregivers. You were, you, I mean, you did, people don't realize you did so much for them. You were, there were periods a year or two ago where I'd barely see you during the week. Yeah, I was Every day. And you didn't live next door either. It's not like we lived down the street. <laughs> yeah. Like, even when we lived in Long Beach, you were still 30, 40 minute drive away. Yeah. So there were, there were days, weeks where you were over there five, six days a week doing something. Yeah. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I can't say that. I mean, it's easy for me to, my cop out is, well, I live in California and my family lives on the other side of the, but even if I lived in the same town as my mom, I doubt I'd be over there five days a week. Yeah. Well, that's some me stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's me trying to, it was like I was trying to prove myself or something. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just wanted some sort of, uh, you, you did good. And I, I recalled this to recalled. Is that correct? Sure. Okay. Uh, I told Dr. Julie at, at Sir when we were just hanging out, waiting for our food for years. Uh, I asked you, hey, did my dad ever talk good of me? Mm -hmm. Like to you? Like did he ever brag? And when you were like, you were so sweet and diplomatic and like tried to be like, but you were like, mm, not really. Well, that's who and your dad was. He wasn't uh, generous with the compliments when it came to his own family. I know. Why? And he would try to do this stuff with me. I think he he picked up pretty quickly what I was about. But the the joking, he would kind of jokingly pick on you, and I was just like, no, I disagree. I think she's awesome. Like I know. Many a times I corrected him. Like, yeah, I don't see that that way at all. Mm. And like, hey, man. And we, I, we were going to have this talk. I was going to have this talk with him, not to speak ill of the dead, but like, you know, and not to be some old-fashioned, I don't want this to come off as chauvinistic at all, but it was like, hey, man, she's your daughter, but guess what? She's my wife now, and there will be no, no more of that. No more. Even in a joking context, I, I'm not interested in sitting around joking. I never wanted to be that guy who's just, oh, the old ball and chain. This is my wife. But he, there was, he, he came from a different generation, you know, 
let's I mean I'm sorry there's no way to put it but there was definitely a certain misogyny I mean level of misogyny 100% and it was just like you know like oh Dave gets what I'm saying when I'm cracking jokes about Katie it's like no I don't I don't see that at all I think she's awesome yeah so thank you boo. I, I remember I, I, he hearing... picked up pretty quick like oh Dave's not down with that yeah and that's his game with me mm-hmm. so it wasn't fun yeah like he was like what is these animals today. Yeah, what's going on, fellas? I don't know. <laughs> They're just so indecisive. <laughs> oh, but yeah, he was, I mean, he was a tough cookie. He was tough. And his personality was tough for me. And well, mine was tough for him. And that's fine. Well, and he comes from that generation. And not all guys from that generation were this way. But there's, I grew up around guys where to show warmth and kindness and love uh, they equate that with being soft or weak. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. and I think that's such a crock of shit. I mean... Yeah, I agree. I, I'm old-fashioned in the sense that, you know, I have my principles and I don't take shit when I don't need to take shit, but that also don't mean that I'm so macho and tough that I can't be kind and sweet to the people I love. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing because I... Didn't realize my dad was sad. Mm. He was a sad person, especially at the end. Like, and I don't blame him, dude. Losing your firstborn, yeah, lost his firstborn daughter when she was twenty three. Insane. And I would have just like sat in a corner and you know ate hair for the rest of my life. Almost if I was lost him. <laughs> his wife when she was forty three. That's true. My mom, mom when I had was, a brain brain tumor, right? She was forty five. Forty five. Because I was five. I had a white dress on, I remember, in the hospital. But yes, I, yeah, I mean, that would have been terrifying. And then Susie kind of took over because my mom was sick. Mm -hmm. And then to lose that person, it was his person. Mm -hmm. So losing that in three days, when you're not in control of it, he Mm -hmm. he was the boss, you know? And I remember looking at him and being like, Dad, promise me. Because I, I had a feeling it was bad, my sister's mm-hmm. sickness. But I, I said, Dad, promise me she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay, right? She's going to be okay. But it just felt so sad in our house. It just felt different the second time the cancer came up mm-hmm. again. And and he's like, yes, I promise you. And and I there was that strength of like that father figure being like, yes. You know what I mean? And and he was that. He mm-hmm. did take... He was the matri- matriarch? Not matriarch. Patriarch. patriarch. Yeah. <laughs> patriarch. Patriarch. Yep. Figure of our family. And, like, he would... He was generous. He was, you know, wanted to take care of everybody and be in control. And so to have no control over, you know, a sick kid, that sucks. Yeah, I can't imagine. But... That doesn't give people excuses to behave mean, mm-hmm. I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just... Yeah, your trauma's not a excuse to be a prick, you know? It's We've true. all got our own traumas. We've all had certain experiences that um, maybe affected us negatively. My dad, for example, is a gr- great example of that. My dad was an orphan. My dad had no one. He he literally was homeless for a few weeks when he was like seven. He was bounced around into orphanages and foster homes and just, you know, real mom didn't give a shit. Real dad kind of cared, but he was, a, you know, war vet who was messed up in the head and I think 
had issues with alcohol. Like, just nobody gave two shits about my dad when he was a child. And he could have very easily grown up to just be a shithead and a criminal and a prick. And uh, he was none of those. At some point, he realized that regardless of what I've been through, it's up to me and only me to moving forward to try to give myself a decent life. Yeah. And he was a great example of like, don't, don't let your childhood identify who you are for the rest of your life. That's so true. And I know it's not easy. I, I'm lucky. I, I had a good childhood. I don't have any childhood trauma. And I can't imagine how difficult that must be. But at the end of the day... When you become an adult, you gotta, you know, you gotta figure out how to get past that and be a productive member of society. I mean, that's amazing, and that sounds like a healthy attachment, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to me, which is like, let me save your life and please don't leave me. <laughs> Charlie, what's up, oh, bud? Oh boy, he gotta, has been a real relax. difficult. Maybe he's just going through. I have a puberty. terrible childhood. <laughs> Boy, how do you have a my, terrible? Both my parents suck. Okay, why he's am, been why so do negative. I suck? He's been so why negative do lately. I suck now. But Jeez. I think you're doing great, Boo. Well, thank I think you're you, doing boo. great. Yeah, I mean, how how did you discover yourself? Is that such a weird question? Well, what do you mean by that? Like, how did you how did you figure out who you were like in your formative years of like twenties and like, did you just kind of say, Oh, I'm, I'm funny at this. Let me go into DJ or, or was it like, I don't know, like with career and yeah, I don't know. It just, interesting. it just happened. Just, just kind of, you know, I used to think, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I still think that to this day I think about, I, I like what I do. I like being a comedian, but I still think like, Okay, is this the last job I'm ever going to have? Is this, you know, what else is out there for? And I, I still think about things. You know, we've talked about, I still want to have a food truck one day. Mm. I, I still want to own a record shop one day. Yeah. There's still things I want to do, even at my advanced age. Advanced? You're not 100. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but I'm past the point of, you know, where you should be figuring out what you want to do with your life. And I did, you know, my whole 20s were spent... Uh, stand-up really saved me because even though I had careers, you know, I started off as a DJ and I loved that, but if it weren't, like, the whole DJ thing, I'd probably still be a DJ if the industry didn't change so drastically. I was right at the tail end of, like, around around 2000 is when a lot of stuff started getting automated and a lot of radio stations went out of business and were bought out, and it just, I kind of got forced out of the industry just as a lot of com or uh djs and radio folks did so if it weren't for that i might still be a, a, a in radio but yeah after that you know, tour manager and then tons of odd jobs serving and, and doing all that stuff and then then the police thing so it wasn't until stand up till when i was 29 where i was like oh this this is the thing this is and i wish i would have discovered that 10 years earlier um but yeah and even now 15 years later it's like okay i'm I did and am currently doing that thing, but what's next? Hmm. So, yeah, I don't, but as far as to answer your question, like, how did I discover myself? I, I have no idea. I just, it was just one day at a time trying to figure out w- how do I want to spend my time? Yeah. What do I want? What's going to make me happy? I wasn't driven by money or materialism or else, you know, I would have stayed in college and got a degree and something that would have given me a high-paying job, but that wasn't a priority for me. It was, how am I going to spend my days? Was it ever, 
did you ever have a thought of, I want to make my mom and dad proud? Because I feel like people do that. They go into industries or careers because, Uh, you know. To a certain degree. um, To a certain degree, I wanted to make them proud. But to a larger degree, I didn't give a care. I didn't give a crap about that, or else I would have stayed in my hometown, married my high school sweetheart, been a deacon in the church, which isn't bad, by the way. No, none of that's bad, but that's what they wanted, right? And I, they wanted you to stay. Well, they loved you. I'm not going to do that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we all want that approval, and we all want to make our parents proud. But for me, it was at at what cost, like. Hopefully they'll be proud of whatever I do traveling down my own path, but I'm not going to just concede to their wishes yeah. if it's not something I want. There's just I knew that from day one. Like, you know. So there was never a fear with you and jobs or anything. You just did them and it was like, "All right, I'm learning what I can do, what my strengths are." And then What what do you mean by fear? Like, I just had such anxiety. Mm-hmm. Am I choosing the wrong thing? And then when I was in the jobs, I would be, like, overanalyze it. Like, I would just panic. I would just have a weird panic yeah. all the time. No, I just looked at it as, like, well, I know I got to have a job. Mm-hmm. I got to do something to pay yeah. my own way. Yeah. So my mentality was always, well, what's, what's something I'm going to enjoy doing? Let me find something that I'm not going to hate. Mm-hmm. And radio was initially that. And uh, police was not that. Police was, you know, oh, I my my main career, radio is now over. I got a girlfriend who might be my wife soon at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn, I need a job job. And, then and so that was you, like, being like, okay, I'm going to grow up. That was and me I'm trying gonna... to grow up and be responsible and get a regular, good, steady, decent paycheck. For a guy who doesn't have a college degree, That w- that was one of the better jobs I could have gotten at that time. What was the other what was the other jobs in the running? It was police officer. Did you have any other backup? Well, I was always, you know, looking to get back into radio, but I was finding that hard just because the jobs just weren't there. Yeah. You know, I was trying to get back into radio. Um and I could have continued in radio, but I was so nomadic. I moved six times in four years or five years, something like that. I moved around a lot and I was just like, I can't keep doing that. Even though I was still young. I was like, I can't just keep moving every year to another. Because radio in general is a very nomadic profession because you're always climbing the ladder. And the ladder is not usually at the same station. It's markets. People are jumping mar- bigger markets, bigger cities. Yeah. You know, and I did a lot of that. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, I mean, I looked into, I tried to get hired on at CSX uh, Railroad. I wanted to be a railroad engineer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I almost went to school for that. Yeah, I wanted to. Wanted to operate trains. I thought that'd be a good gig. That's amazing. Um, but yeah. Was... Did your parents ever have talks with you regarding career, like growing up? Yeah. Yeah, somewhat. How did not, those not, go? Not not like careers, but just what do you, like in high school. It was weird. Even though I was a good student, I think just because of my middle class background, it was just assumed that I wouldn't, like big time college was never I don't want to say it was never an option, but it was just, it, it, they wanted me to go to college, but it wasn't, I think maybe we just all knew that there just wasn't money for like big college tuition. And maybe, hmm. I, I was a good student and I was bright, so I, I don't know if it was like 
Dave doesn't have the intellectual chops for college, but it was just, I never sat around thinking, oh, I'm going to go to Georgia Tech, or I'm going to go to Duke, or, you know, like a good school. Yeah. It just, that was kind of never an option. It was like, all right, maybe you go to Kennesaw College, maybe you go to some small school and get you... I mean, there was a time, too, where I thought my, and boy, I'm so, and again, not that there's anything wrong with this. This is a commendable job. But there was a, a, a period of time where it's like, all right, I'm going to go get a four-year degree, and I'll be a history teacher, and a high school history teacher and a football coach. That yeah, was, teaching and coaching is yeah. always that mm-hmm. backup, yeah. weirdly, for, I I'm, and I said that, I'm mm-hmm. putting foot in my mouth. But no, not that there's anything wrong with that. We need coaches. We need teachers. That's a great profession. Yeah, and profession. if you're called to that. Uh-huh. Thank God. But, yeah, and I was just like, but I wasn't called to it. It was just like, I guess that'll do. Guess yeah, I could it's do like that. your backup, mm-hmm. your backup plan. But, yeah, there was never, like, any professional aspirations in terms of, like, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be, it was, it was just, like, probably going to be doing something blue-collar, but maybe I could be, you know, the higher end of the pay scale of the blue-collar world. Maybe I'll be a foreman or maybe I'll own my own landscaping business which I did but but yeah that's why while I was in college when it just hit me one day I was driving home from Floyd College commuting hating it I drove like an hour one way each day I lived in Waleska Georgia and and drove commuted to Rome Georgia uh four or five days a week uh, and I just hated it and then one day uh, driving home I heard a uh, radio commercial for the Connecticut School of Broadcasting Ooh. Um, and they had a, an office, a, a campus in Marietta, Georgia. And I was like, just that day, I was like, done with school. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. And that's back when I had a nice uh, 83 Jeep CJ7, nice red Jeep. And I sold it uh, and took that money and, and, and paid for broadcasting school. And went to broadcasting school for about nine months. It was like a nine-month course. Yeah. And then got out and uh, started getting radio gigs, radio jobs. So I was like 19 working in radio. That's amazing. So, yeah, and that, I thought that would be. I I loved it too. So I was like, oh well, I'm solve that riddle yeah. at 19. I done figured that out. And it, like I said, if the industry hadn't kind of, I mean, it's still alive, but it's on its last leg. If it hadn't kind of crumbled uh, around the turn of the century, I'd probably still I'd be a program director, hopefully in a major market somewhere. Wow, because um, that was definitely the trajectory I was on. But after that, it was like, oh shit! Like at, at like 23, I felt like I had to kind of start over again. It's like, oh, radio's not going to work out. I yeah. didn't finish college. I don't have a degree. So that's when, you know, like, the police thing was like, well, this this makes sense, I guess. Yeah. You know, because, like, you know, I, I made decent money. It was a good, it was a decent job for what it was. But, uh, whew, it's a whole other can of worms. I'm so glad. That's why I, I know you get sick of hearing this, like, pedestrian uh, hypothetical, but there's so many, about once a week, I just sit around mm-hmm. and I'm like, if you would have told me 20 years ago yep. that I'd be living in West Hollywood <laughs> with a 15 year career of stand up under my belt with two podcasts and a wife, I just told you you were inside. Like, what are you talking? And like 20 years ago, 20 years ago to the day, I was uh, a police officer hating every fucking second of it. Uh, about to get married to a gal who, you know, now obviously I realize I'm glad that didn't work out. But even in the moment, it was just like, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And uh, But if you'd have told me, hey, man, in 20 years you're going to be living in West Hollywood being a, you know, slightly known comedian, 
uh, I, with a wife, I, I would tell you, it's crazy. Like, what are you talking Daiquiri about? Daiquiri Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, oh, yeah, but before you get there, you're going to have to live in a van for four years. And yeah. <laughs> be broke and semi home. I would just be like, what the hell are you talking about? That's why I love the present and the future, because I, I even though I feel like I'm the most stable I've ever been, in that I have a, a, a wife and, you know, I have a roof over my head and I have steady income. Uh, but I still have no fucking idea where we're going to be five years from now. That's exciting. I, you know, I, I, I like be, that though. Am I going to be selling out theaters or am I going to not be doing stand up altogether? Am I going to be doing a food truck? I, I, or you, we, either one of us could be on a sitcom this time next year. You know, the proximity we're, we're here, we're in Hollywood. Like I, I, and I like that. There's a certain, I know, most people are afraid of that uncertainty, but uh, especially now that we got each other, mm. you know, I feel like I have someone in my corner and vice yeah. versa. Like, I, I welcome the unknown. And, and I hope that whatever it is, it's a positive. Yeah. And hopefully it will be. But yeah, I, I like not knowing where the hell I'm going to be five years from now. I know, me too. I mean, the one thing is certain, I know we're going to be together. Yeah. You know, but uh, as far as like, are we going to be living here or... Unless they're going to be doing stand-up, or am I going to be doing stand-up on a much bigger level, or no, no level at all? Like, I've just, I feel like any, anything could happen, and I'm, I'm just along for the ride. I love that, boo. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I get there. I get there in times, and then, I mean, I think, I just always wanted praise from my family. Like I just wanted my mom and dad to be like, Hey, like, let's look at what your gifts are. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like we could tell you're really anxious about this. So let's, you know, I just needed a a talk (laughs) like that. And I always just wanted, my dad always said, I just want you to be a success. I hope I raise a success. And, and, you know, I would want my kid to be happy. I hope you're happy. And it just, uh, I don't know. But he was a dreamer at times. Like, mm-hmm. he would be like, all right, go get him, Katie, you know, mm-hmm. with acting. And, of course, he helped me so much in his way, you know, like, financially. And, I mean, he was very giving to me. Mm-hmm. But there was that, it, it it felt like, okay, I need to earn that, you know, mm-hmm. and then also become a success and also become, you know, something that I just felt there were a lot of hats I had to wear at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't do it well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I quit jobs and I came home and I, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I just wanted, I remember sitting at the dining table. We had this really cool old, like, what is it? White. It looks like almost like whiteboard. It was like a whiteboard table. It was like huh. 80s. It had very, it was 80s type of table. And we were sitting at dinner and my dad said, well, what do you want to be? And I remember looking at him and saying, I want to be happy. Yeah. How old were you? I was about 10. Okay. And that was, you could just tell I took a fucking shit sandwich and threw it in his really? face. Like it was Unacceptable like, answer. it was, he didn't get it. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but what are you going to do? Like, and it, and it, nothing, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just, my mind doesn't work that way. I'm also 10. Dad. <laughs> I just felt 
you know, I'm not 30 living in your basement <laughs> having this conversation. I'm 10. Let me, uh, I'll figure it out. Yeah. It was, but I remember that and being like, okay, but I just, my mind worked differently and, mm-hmm. it's, and I would just beat myself up. Like, why can't my mind be this way? You know, why can't I be, you know, organized and move forward and, you know, like my dad. And, and that wasn't for me. You know, because I w- I'm different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Katie. And that doesn't mean sit on my ass and do nothing, but it means, oh, I'm going to have to be more creative with what I do do. Mm-hmm. Do do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I just, I'm wired differently. And that's okay. But I never got that sense of calm. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's a different generation. You know, they didn't know. They were just like, work hard. Yeah. Shut up and... You're welcome. That's one thing I'll say about my folks. Uh, they were very encouraging. My mom and my dad used to tell me I need to get into do I need to get into comedy. Aww. Like years before I ever did, and I was like, oh, sure. Like that's like uh, that's like go saying- be a, go be a movie star. Like, yeah. Uh, well, like to me, because the only comedians I knew were like famous comedians, and I was like. So, sure, yeah, I'll go be Jerry Seinfeld, Dad, sure. I yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? But, like, Aww. I remember being 19, 20, and they were like, you need to do, you need to get into comedy. You're really funny. And I was like, I mean, I can make you goobers laugh, but, but yeah, they were both very encouraging. And, and when I finally did uh, get into it, they both were very excited. Aww. Like, they didn't know anything. They I don't know if they had faith in me that I would be able to make a living at it one day, but they were like, at least content that I was utilizing my talent. That's one thing that dad specifically like just branded into my brain was like, use your talent, whatever your talent from early on, like even in sports, like, well, Dave, you're better at this sport than that sport. So let's focus on that. Or, you know, it was whatever your talents are. Oh, I try to do something with it. And, I always knew I was funny. I was like the funny guy in my peer group, but I didn't think that that would translate to anything on a professional level. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know how you become a comedian. Um, But it was after the cop thing that I was like, yeah, I need to try it. I need to to try something a little outside the box and not be so pragmatic like I've been up until that point. That's amazing. So once you kind of let go of control Mm -hmm. and we're like, all right, let me give this a shot. That's when you found Mm -hmm. your passion. Yeah. And after the literally my first show, my first open mic, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this for a while. Whether or not I ever make any money at it, it's yet to be determined at the time. But I was like, I'm I was hooked after my first show. So that is so cool. But yeah, and I'll say, I mean, dad's especially, I remember whatever I was doing at the time, he would take an interest in and educate himself. He loved oh. that I was a cop. He thought it was, he loved that I was a DJ. He liked that I was a cop. He loved that I was a comedian, whatever I was into. Uh, oh. He would even, I remember he used to listen to like the bands I would manage. He would, he would? not like enjoyably, but he would at least familiar, oh, listen to that Fozzie CD today. That's interesting that stuff. So like sweet. He always took an interest to whatever I was doing. And mom too. But specifically, Dad, I just remember Dad really, I mean, because I, I think I told you this story. He wanted to be a DJ when he was, when he was a teen. He used to tell this story. He grew up around Nashville, and 
he he and his buddy, my dad was 15, Elmer Lee, I think was his name. Elmer Lee was 16, and they were thick as thieves. And they were buddies, <laughs> and they both were obsessed with music, and they both wanted to be songwriters, and they both wanted to be DJs. They wanted to work in radio, and there was some local radio station in town that was hiring DJs, and they both went and applied the same day. And then the guy was like, oh, Don, you're 15? Sorry, you got to be 16. And Elmer Lee got the gig. Oh, so no. So dad, dad wanted to be a DJ. He wanted to be a songwriter. He just wanted to. And that's exactly how I was to music. I, I've done almost everything you can do in music except create music. Because I just knew. Well, that's not true. You have two songs. Well, yeah. We'll get, a, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. get into we your songwriting. about how I used to write songs. <laughs> but I just knew. Pretty quickly, I took guitar lessons, I took drum lessons, I tried to write songs, and then it was just, I was self-aware enough to know that, like, okay, this is more than me just being inexperienced, I don't think I have much talent for it, but that's what it drew me to radio, and that's what drew me to tour managing, is like, I, even though I can't be a musician, I can at least be around it, I, can, I loved being a DJ, I loved being a tour manager, my dad was that way, he wanted to just be... And so when I became a radio uh, DJ and when I became a uh, you know tour manager, he just loved that. He just thought that was the greatest thing. I he was felt the same way about movies. Yeah. Yes. When I was a production assistant, mm-hmm. or when yeah, I just loved. What I loved about it was it was this: you're starting from nothing, you're creating something together, and every every part of a production is important. And you can always tell it was almost just like watching human behavior at its worst and best mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a hierarchy. You mm-hmm. like the, oh, the executive producer as opposed to the lowly, you know, production secretary, which is what I was. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. I loved how different everyone was. And I loved how you had to work as a team. And I loved how it, sometimes I loved how it would be. You work your ass off for so many days in a row, and then you get like a break, and then yeah. you get to go back, and it's like perfect <laughs> for my hyper focus. And yeah. I remember being feeling a sense of community in a way that was work, but it wasn't. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, you just have to communicate with people and mm-hmm. do what you're told. Cool, like that's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it there is something really with music or with art. It's, it is so, you are creating stuff together mm-hmm. and it's, there's something really special. Yeah. There's something really positive and neat doing that. Yeah. Cause not everyone can. It is a skill set. Yeah. And that's why I feel so fortunate to be in the position I am now. Just the fact that I get paid to do something that I would gladly do and have done for mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. Pete Rose used to say, I can't believe they pay me millions of dollars to do something I would gladly do for free. Yeah. Playing baseball. But that that's always, and I maybe that's, um, maybe that's Peter Pan syndrome. Maybe that's, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to have a real job. But what's wrong with that? I don't, especially people in our position, we don't have kids. We don't have others depending on us, mm-hmm. per se. So, I mean, I think that day driving home from college, hearing that commercial on the radio, I was like, oh, shit, people make a living doing fun things? Forgot about that. Mm. Let me try that. Let me try to be a DJ. Let me try to get into tour manager. Let me try to be a comedian. You know, like, just things that, oh, this would be fun. Like, I would go do, I maybe not travel the way I travel professionally, but, like, 
Someone tonight was like, hey, you want to go do an hour of stand-up? We can't pay you, but there'll be a crowd there. It'll be fun. You want to go? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm a professional at it now, and, you know, obviously I... But I'm just saying, I mean, would I drive, you know, 12 hours and sleep in a Motel 6 to go do a free show? Maybe not. But in theory, if someone wanted me to, you know, drive yeah. across town tonight and do an hour stand-up and I couldn't get paid, yeah, I'll probably go do it anyway because I like doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very few people can say that. That's so true. Ask a, ask a tax attorney to, to file your taxes for free. Oh, that's fine. I just love doing it. I mean, I'm sure there are some. That I do bet love there doing are. It. Yeah. But I'm saying very few professions where it's like, oh, I, I would, I, I would do this tonight even if I didn't get paid. It's true. It's funny because I'm, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh my gosh. When I was taking care of Dad, and when Jack was living with Dad and helping as well, and we were doing our little <laughs> tag team mm-hmm. routine, I felt kind of at one. I felt like I wasn't an outsider in the world of moms and wives and stuff because I was like, look, I'm taking care of my two kids mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? And and not, it, it was almost how to connect, really. And I think that happens a lot with ladies, especially if you, I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, I don't want kids, I know it's not for me. So it's it's... You do almost feel like an outsider. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember leaning heavily on that because I was like, okay, well, this is my identity now. I guess I'm just aunt slash daughter wife and you know what I mean? <laughs> and that that way people can connect with you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I, I don't know, I am just noticed as I'm processing it right now, sorry, I'm just noticing like, wow, how funny that I, I naturally – wanted to be accepted by my peers, mm-hmm. even through social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I did it. And I I think maybe that's a lot of times, and of course, everyone needs jobs. Everyone, you know, I don't think there's a, you know, horrible job. I mean, there are, but I'm just saying. But I, I digress, boo. Meter, I, meter maid's a horrible job. That's true. That's really. What if but, that was your job to just give people parking tickets? But what if you hated people and that like actually made you happy? Might mm-hmm. be good. Yeah, Might yeah. be good. Get your rage out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think maybe that happens with all of us if if we don't really fit in, mm-hmm. you know, and, or you feel like you don't because adulthood is so weird and unexpected and strange and you know. I didn't choose to be a mom, but I still love my friends who are moms. And I, I think it is an important job and, but it is hard for me to connect to that because I don't have kids mm-hmm. and, you know, I guess, I don't know where this is going, It's okay. but I just felt like, huh, that's interesting. But how cool that you, I feel like everything happens for a reason. You were driving to that community college. You hated it so much. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like you said, you heard this, as Oprah would say, you know, your aha moment mm-hmm. was, oh, my gosh, wait, I could go to school and I could take control of my life and yeah. go do what I want. And I, I feel that was like your, your reckoning, yeah. you know, like this is what I want to do. Because when I was in college, I, I don't even know if I had a major. I was just like, I'm just doing this because you're supposed to do it. I know, me too. Maybe I'll get a job doing something. Yeah. But that, yeah, it clicked just instantly like, oh, shit, yes, that. That is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Wow. Sold my Jeep, 
bought a uh, 84 Chevy Blazer for $800. Woohoo! And drove that thing down to Marietta five days a week for nine months and graduated uh, broadcasting school and immediately got hired at 99X in Atlanta, Ooh. which was the station I listened to in high school, not as a DJ, like entry level, just driving the van, promotions sure. department. And uh, a few months later, got my first on-air job at that little radio station in Cumming, Georgia, which I later came back to, and it became program director and then later general manager. At 21, I was a general manager of a radio station, and I had like 25 employees under me. At oh 21. Oh, my gosh. I was, I was like TGI this, Fridays I was, doing <laughs> blowjob shots. <laughs> <laughs> I was this weird little radio prodigy. Like, I, I took to it. Uh, I started at 19, and by 21, I was general manager, and then I left that job and became program director of a station in Athens, Georgia. And wow. uh, Yeah, I was just this, I don't know, maybe it was just the market at that time. They were just starved for young talent, but yeah, I, I took to it real quick and had a lot of success pretty early on. That is amazing. And loved it. And when you loved love it. your job, like one of your first big jobs, mm-hmm. like that is such a cool feeling. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm in control and yeah. oh, I'm fancy. I remember when I was an assistant to a lawyer for a short time, mm-hmm. but I remember going to a fancy building and feeling like, oh, I got a bagel for work. Like I just felt like I'm business lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy, we got it all figured out, boo. I know. I mean, yeah, let's go. Let's just Thelma and Louisa, buddy. We're done. <laughs> uh, we were going to talk about your EMDR session, but we'll we'll get to that next week. I, I still haven't heard about that. You've been saving it for the podcast. I have. So I have no idea what that was like. Uh, I have. You went to Pride last week. Oh, my you gosh. You had a good time at Pride. It was so wonderful. Pride's it always was fun around here. Pride, I and I went, like, the whole time. Mm-hmm. I saw the whole you spent, like, eight parade. Hours. I did. I was, <laughs> I was, I was so happy. Although I was getting a little sore yeah. because I wore pink sparkly shoes <laughs> that are not comfortable. But I, oh, I haven't felt so warm and happy, and it was just so, so much love in the air. It was really cool. It was a very cool experience. Yeah. I was going to go with you, but I was supposed to go see the Dodgers that day, and then that fell through. So. You and your friend Ben went, and uh, I didn't want it to look like, like no, I'm not going to Pride. I felt, <laughs> felt kind of like a prick not going, but I had other plans, and then they fell through. Oh. Uh, and by the time they fell through, you were already there, and it was just, yeah, I didn't get to experience it, but uh, it looked like a big I saw, like, we're close enough to it here at our place that uh, a lot of foot traffic in our neighborhood walking down to Pride. Oh, I learned so much. Uh, for example, every... The parade always starts with Dykes on Bikes. Dykes on Bikes. Which is um, our lesbian friends uh-huh. on motorcycles. Nice. And I've never been more inspired with... And they, they that's their moniker. That's yes. not something you threw out there. No, no, that's... Oh, God, no. <laughs> just that's that's yeah. what Ben told me. Yeah, yeah. Ben yeah. told me that, that and that's true. They call themselves that. Yes, they call... Just, them. just to clarify. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they call themselves that. Uh-huh. And then there was the Gay Man's Chorus. Nice. Which was amazing, acapella, nice. singing, we will rock you. I mean, that was just <laughs> magical. Uh, I saw that one, uh, the Grand Marshal was, what's her name again? Uh, Jenna Malone? J- Janelle Malone? Janelle. Mm, Janelle Monet. Jenna Malone is, is an is actress. that girl from Saved. Yes. Janelle Monet. <laughs> oh, no, is that Saved? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she was in Saved, I think. Yeah. She was in a bunch of stuff there yeah, for a while. She's great. J- Janelle Monet. Yes, and she was amazing. Yeah, I knew yeah, her back she, in Atlanta days. I have no, I 
you know, I'm not a cool pop person right now <laughs> in the, you know, I'm not a cool youth. Yeah. So I had no idea, but she was wonderful. Yeah, and great. it was just so cool. It was just a really neat, everyone was so kind and everyone had, there was a, there was a part of the parade where it said free mom hugs. Aww. There was all these like moms and like, they were just hugging everyone that wanted hugs in the crowd. And yeah, it was just, it was a big emotional Lovely day. Yeah. It was wonderful. Was, awesome, I felt honored dude. to be a part of it. That's awesome. Meaning going. <laughs> Being a part of it. <laughs> uh, boo, where can we find you on the gram? Okay, KT Low Strandberg. Okay, and then where can we find you on the talk? <laughs> I don't want to tell Lay you. Lay this one on us. Katie. Katie Lowe Stramber. There's no G at the end. And what happened there? Because your username can have only so many letters. And I just haven't fixed it. Why not remove the low and just do Katie Stramberg? It might be Katie Stramb well, hold on. Oh, oh wow. She's anyway, but somewhere. what do you where do we somewhere. find you? <laughs> <laughs> uh you can find me in Bakersville, California, July sixteenth at the well. Looking forward to that. And then uh, on the 18th, a few days later, uh, Apple Valley, California. And I don't know the venue on that one. I forgot, but I'll find out. Apple, look at us. We're really professional. That's Dear right. Lord. Yeah. Oh, boy. We're out there. We'll get better. We'll get better, everybody. Uh, real quick, want to throw it out there again like I did last week. My buddy Jacob Rupert needs your help. Uh, recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Jacob's an amazing dude. Wonderful spirit. Great attitude, mm. just one of those dudes that's just, uh, just seriously, just like what, almost to the point of like, hey, what's wrong with you? Mm. Like, you're so positive. What do you know that we don't know? Like, just a positive, enlightened fella. And uh, yeah, got bad news. Got a GoFundMe set up, got a ton of uh, financial stuff okay. uh, in, in yeah, his way. Of I, I can't imagine all that you have to go through, what that cost just to deal with. All of that treatment. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you got a few bucks to spare, get, throw Jacob a few bucks. You know, I know most people listening probably don't know him personally, but uh, trust me, I'm vouching for him. Great dude. And if you want to do a mitzvah, you got 5, 10, 20 extra bucks you want to throw his way. Um, on my Facebook page, it's on there somewhere, or you can look up his Facebook page, Jacob Rupert, R-U-P-P-E-R-T. Uh, just poke around and find uh, his GoFundMe page. Mm. And he's getting close to, to his goal. I think Good, he a, okay. He had a $50,000 goal. I guess that's what they uh, estimated, you know, all this would cost for him. And uh, last I checked, he's he's over 40. So uh, let, let's try to bump him up. That's and, awesome. Uh, I, I can't imagine. At the very, that's the last thing someone should have to worry about when they're during struck, this is, yes, is of the course. financial aspect Ugh, of Lord. it. Like just hopefully, uh, you know, this can help him out enough to where he can just focus on on the treatment, the medical side of it, not have to stress about the finances. So, if you want to throw him a few bucks, uh, Jacob Rupert, R U P P E R T. Uh, look and up his Facebook or my Facebook, and uh, it'll be on there somewhere. Thank you for all the listeners that did reach out asking. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that's adorable. And shout out to you, lovey loves. Yep. But yeah, uh, boo. Good times. Good times. And, oh, uh, ending thing, I just want to say to all uh, the fellow people that do not have fathers. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. This will be your first Father's It'll be day. my first Father's Day without a father um, on earth. But 
I'm I'm here too, and we can all just sit in this shit stew together. All right, you're okay though. You're not alone. What should we do on Father's Day to honor our fathers? <laughs> what, what did your dad like doing? <laughs> Road rage and yelling Drive at people. Drive around and scream at people. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. I well, I don't drink. He yeah. loved Camus. That Camus wine. He oh, yeah. started loving that. He, he loved got champagne. Red, he loved red wine uh, with a couple of ice cubes. Yep. He had champagne taste, that one. Because yep. he'd be like, I like that one wine. And I'm like, that was $75 a bottle. But he'd just chug it on down. I, uh, we used to, I, when we started hanging out and uh, we'd have a few drinks together, my drink of choice is a, a bourbon and Coke. Mm. And I don't know if he'd had a lot of experience with bourbon and Coke, but uh, I made him one immediately. He loved it. And then uh, he used to say, you know, hey, why don't you come over Sunday? We'll have a couple of special Cokes. He kept saying sp- that was the co- sweetest co- thing ever. He loves special Cokes yeah. with you. <laughs> Never have I seen him deter from red wine. Like, that was a big get. Yeah, like, he really liked we'd you. We'd sit around and watch football on Sunday and have a couple mm, of special Cokes. So yeah. maybe we'll have a special Coke on Sunday for uh, Dave Strandberg and maybe... Um, Maybe some I'll, barbecue? Maybe some barbecue or some catfish for Don Stone. That was his two favorites. Oh, Charlie we'd always, doesn't like that idea. We'd always take him out for barbecue or uh, he loved catfish. There's a couple of catfish joints. I love that oh, he yeah. loved catfish. Oh, couldn't get enough catfish. Really? Hush puppies, catfish, coleslaw. Oh, he was a, he was a happy camper. That's yeah. awesome. Maybe I'll eat some catfish for Don and have a special Coke for Dave. Sounds and maybe watch the smash hit movie Heat because they both love that movie. Oh, did your dad love Heat? Oh, my dad loved Heat. We saw it twice in the theater, it was a thing. My dad loved Heat, he loved Tombstone. My dad loved Tombstone. Oh, Goodfellas, Casino. Oh, all that stuff. Yeah, those are some good dad movies. (laughs) And to those of you that have complicated relationships, that's okay too. You take care of you. And those that you have good dads, all good. Have fun, celebrate. All right, boo, I love you. I love you so much. Okay, we love you guys. Bye! Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Stonebergs podcast. If you enjoyed it, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a few seconds to rate and review it on iTunes. And if you don't listen to it on iTunes but still want to help out, simply tell a friend, as word of mouth is so important. Follow us on Instagram, at the Stonebergs podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at The Stonebergs. And lastly, give us a call 24-7 and leave a voicemail at 562-548-2012. That's 562-548-2012. Thanks for listening.